Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm Nina. And you're listening to Slice Slice of Murder. Murder. This is take three of our intro. Yes, we still need more practice with GarageBand, but we're getting there. So if any of you are GarageBand experts and want to send us some like informational videos on how to get started, please feel free to do so. <laughs> um, so this week has been going pretty good. I started school last week, so it's been like a really long week for me, but... I'm excited to be here, excited to be recording. Yeah, if you didn't know, we're both teachers. So Nina teaches middle school and I'm teaching high school. I'm still doing my professional development this week, but I start school on Wednesday. I was decorating my class today, so I asked um, the staff to help me move my desk to a different place, but I ended up not liking how it looked there. So I felt bad telling them to move it back to its original spot, so I didn't tell them. I was just panicking until um, someone came to ask if I wanted to look at other teacher's classroom to see where their desk was positioned. Didn't you have this classroom last year? Yeah, but I just wanted to move my desk somewhere else because I didn't like it being in front of the window. Like, my back was towards the window, so students can walk by and just see, like, what I'm doing yeah. on my computer, <laughs> and I just don't like having my back to the window yeah. like that. So, I have another, like, appointment where they're going to help me next week to move it oh back to its original spot. <laughs> so, you're going to be back in your original spot anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, this week has gone pretty well. Um, I just finished listening to, if any of you guys are true crime fans and listen to morbid um i just listened to their five-part series on jack the ripper i never really thought i was going to be like a fan of that case but they covered it really really well and they went like really in depth and i never knew it was super involved so highly recommend if you haven't listened to it Ooh, I'll have to listen to that. Yeah, because we did a Jack the Ripper um, escape room. Remember that? Oh, yeah. And now I'm trying to think back, and there's so many details that they covered. Like, remember in, like, that last room, how it's, like, a room with a bed in it and everything? Uh-huh. And there's, like, the skeleton in the bed. Remember in the oh, very last okay. room that we did? Yeah. And then in the real case, like, that's where his last victim was found, like, in a room with, like, a single bed. So I was, like, wondering, we like... probably should have learned about the yeah. case before <laughs> But going. I was just wondering, like, how in-depth they went with the details mm-hmm. and, like... I want to go back and, like, see, like, what they put in there. Because I was like, that's so interesting. Like, now that I'm remembering back. But it was a really good, it was, like, ten hours, like, all together. Because it was, like, five parts. But it was so good. Like, that's all I've been listening to on the drive to work this week. So. And if you didn't know, Morbid is our favorite, one of our favorite (laughs) true crime podcasts. Big fans. Okay, so this week we're going to be covering the Kristen Smart case. So um, I heard about this case through Chris Lambert's podcast, Your Own Backyard. You may have heard of it. Um, he dives deep into Kristen's disappearance, 
and he currently has 14 episodes. His podcast has interviews with family and friends, so he goes really in-depth. There's a lot of information in there. I will not be covering all that information. I'm trying to fit everything into one episode, Um, and this is a case that actually really got me into true crime. Um, I learned that Chris Lambert's podcast led to the arrest of the two men, Paul Flores and Ruben Flores. So this led me to become really inspired to create our own podcast to hopefully bring light to those cases that do not have a lot of uh, publicity or a lot of people don't know about them. Mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, Nina, have you heard... I did. I didn't realize it was like 14 episodes though. Like I feel like when I listened to it, it was shorter. But I listened to it like, I want to say like a year and a half ago-ish. So I didn't realize there was this many um, episodes now. Yeah. um, So originally there were eight episodes, but now because the trial is happening right now, Chris released, how many is that? (laughs) I'm a math teacher, but that's (laughs) six more episodes. And he talks about what led to the arrest and then talks a little bit about the trial. So the trial is happening right now, like I said, and they say it's going to take about four months. So is he like live covering the trial? Like, is he releasing episodes like as the trial goes on or he's just like, just like previewed it? I think he'll release more episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I feel like that's what he did in the last one. Like I, I feel like I remember listening to the original episodes and then there was one released like I was noticing the dates and times and whatever when it was released and then I remember hearing one like I don't know like half a year afterwards and he was like oh this is a new update so it, I feel like he would update as like things went on now too yeah and I actually didn't listen to his last two episodes where he talks about the trial just because they are repeating a lot of information that's already known and I already mm-hmm. heard about uh, but, yeah, I definitely think he will talk about it. Cool. All right. And also, did you start listening to this um, to this podcast because of me? Yeah, I did. Did you? <laughs> okay, I thought I remembered that. <laughs> because you recommended it. Yeah. And then like I told my mom. To then I told my mom to listen to it, and then she listened to it, too. Oh, my God. Everyone. <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to start with some personal background. Well, before I'll say a little bit of what this case is about. So Kristen Smart, a 19-year-old Cal Poly San Luis Obispo student, disappeared in 1996 and was declared legally dead in 2002. The last time she was seen, she was walking to her dorm after a party, and to this day, her remains have not been found. Just last year, 2021, 25 years after her disappearance, two people were charged with her murder. That's crazy that they got a charge like 25 years later. Like, I feel like sometimes when these cases take this long, like, nobody ever gets charged and it's just kind of lost, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, thankfully, like I said, the podcast led mm-hmm. to the arrest. So it gave a lot of attention to the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it really pressured law enforcement mm-hmm. to do more. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, so 
a little bit about Kristen Smart. She was born on February 20th. She's a Pisces. Uh, she was born in Augsburg, Germany, and she moved to Stockton, California with her family when she was just three years old. She was the first child of three, and her parents were thrilled um, when they had her because they thought she, that they would not be able to have kids and would have to adopt. Well, then that's nice that they had, like, three kids Yeah, they ended total. up having three. And so Kristen was described by her parents as a fast learner. She walked and talked earlier than most kids, so she's very bright. She was interested in athletics, specifically swimming and volleyball. Wow, swimming. <laughs> and Kristen babysat for different neighbors. She was often the parents' first choice because she was so attentive to the kids and just very good at her job. Uh, and they also said she was so sweet. One of the parents she babysat for said, once she spilled nail polish on the rug and she just felt so bad, she panicked and was apologizing over and over for it. And she was just always the last person to start a fight among her friends. She was known as being warm and a little quiet. Her friends also said she was the first to invite others on vacations or over to her house for sleepovers. Yeah, she sounds like a really good friend. Yeah. And in school, Kristen was an overachiever. She was known to be very organized. Her friends said, quote, she didn't, she didn't peak in high school. We love that when you don't peak in high school. Yes. We, I did not peak in high school. I did peak in college, but not in high school. So. I have not peaked. My peak is I yet feel, to come. I feel like it's a little bit better. Um, and during high school, she focused on her academics. She took college courses to increase her chances of being accepted into a four-year university. So she was actually accepted to UCSB, so that's where I went, UC Santa Barbara. And she paid for her dorm deposit, but when she, but then she abruptly decided to attend somewhere closer to home. That's so sad, like, because then... Yeah, you, you think, think of, like, yeah. what if? Yeah, if she just went there instead. Yeah, um, so she instead decided to go to California Polytechnic State University in San Luis Obispo. So I'm going to refer to it now as Cal Poly. <laughs> Uh, she originally came into Cal Poly as an architect major, but later switched to communication studies with hopes of traveling the world as a reporter. And it sounds like she had like a pretty um, global background. Like she was, she was born in Germany. Like I wonder if her parents also did international stuff, and that's why like she wanted to do international stuff. You know, her parents no, they did not do international stuff. They were just born in Germany. Yeah, she was born in Germany. Yeah. Um, so Kristen wanted to reinvent herself in college. She had different nicknames or aliases, uh, Kiana and Marisol, and she also dyed her hair from blonde to brown. During college, she was working as a lifeguard, so she would have to wake up at about 5 a.m. Or not wake up, but she'd have to be at work at 5 a.m., and this will be important later. This made her very exhausted, so she got to the point where she told her mom, like, hey mom, I want to drop out, like, I'm just feeling tired, I don't think I can do this, but her mom convinced her to stay. She told her a lot of people really struggle their first year, just give it a mm -hmm. chance, and ultimately Kristen was glad that she stayed, 
because she finished, she almost finished her first year of college. It was Memorial Day weekend. So it was Friday, May 24th, 1996. She left her parents a voicemail this day saying she had good news, which later her parents found out it was regarding one of her course grades being changed from an incomplete to now a letter grade because they had lost her final. I don't know how that happens, but they ended up finding it. But back then, it's like all on paper, you know? That's true. So like, <laughs> there's no Google Classroom in 1996. I so. would definitely lose the paper. <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah, that sucks. Like, I feel like that can't be her fault if they lost her paper, like, to give her an incomplete. Yeah, know? right. Uh, but that evening of Friday, Kristen asked her friend Margarita what they were going to be doing that night. Margarita was stressed because she had a biology final coming up. So this was around finals week for them. Mm-hmm. I don't know when you like ended college, like your semester ended, but mm-hmm. I think Cal Poly is around this time. Mm-hmm. So Margarita was stressed about her biology final. And she just wanted to stay in, but Kristen was really persistent that they should go out. And Margarita la- later said Kristen did not give her an option to stay in. Kristen stated, we have to go out. Thus, Margarita gave in, and they decided they would go out to a party. Do you really have to go out? I feel like no. I feel like yes. This is not a question when you're in college. Like, me and my roommate would just give each other that look and say, okay, <laughs> we're going out tonight. <laughs> the day before your biology final? Um, so this was a Friday, so it was coming up. Oh, it was like yeah. the next day. Yeah. But she still wanted to have yeah. that time to study. Yeah. That night, Kristen was wearing a gray crop top, black shorts, and red Puma shoes. The two girls met up with two other girls in their dorm building. And they found someone to drive them to the party. When they got to the party, they realized it was a dud. (laughs) It was busted. (laughs) The two girls they came with left back to the dorms. So Margarita and Kristen were walking, trying to find a better party. It was a quiet night, and the girls ended up in front of all the frat houses. And Margarita, at this point, she was just exhausted she didn't want to come out in the first mm-hmm. place. First party was a dud. She's like, I'm going to go back home. Um, she told Kristen to go with her, but Kristen insisted she was okay and that she would keep looking for a party. So Margarita headed back to her dorm, and Kristen parted ways with her. She walked the opposite way, and a few minutes after she separated, Kristen found a party. So this was a frat party celebrating this guy they called Swampy Phil. That's such a hot name. <laughs> this can't be a I good mean, song. To be honest, like that really that just gets me going. Like if I met Swampy Phil, like I think I would break up with my girl immediately. <laughs> uh, so it's difficult to know exactly what happens next because frats have a code of silence, especially mm-hmm. this frat. They've just had a bad rep for date rape, rape drugs in the past and alcohol poisoning. So they didn't want to get into any more trouble. Mm-hmm. But even now, like, the police can't make them say anything? Like, or they're just all, like, staying quiet? Like, yeah, they're, yeah, most of them are staying quiet. 
except a party goer, Trevor. He was interviewed by Chris, and in his interview, he said he got there at around 10-ish, and Kristen was already there. There were about 30 people at this party. Mm-hmm. Um, it was inside the house and outside the house. Like in a backyard or something? Yeah, it was oh, just okay. like in and out, yeah. He was sitting on a bar stool when he noticed Kristen. She was walking over in his direction, and he thought she was beautiful. She introduces herself as Roxy, and then full-on kisses him. That is one way to make an entrance. (laughs) And then she takes his hand and pulls him to the bathroom. So in the bathroom, she asks him, do you think I'm ugly? Where he replies to with no. Then she asks, who should I hook up with? Where he knew he wasn't there because she liked him, but because she was trying to make somebody else jealous. Yeah, it feels it feels like something like happened before. Like mm-hmm. I don't know, just I feel like going up and making out with somebody like in front of everybody and then pulling them away. Like it definitely sounds like there was somebody there that was watching. Yeah, that yeah. she knew or like she had. I don't know. There something had happened before that. Yeah. So Trevor was a little bummed. Yeah. But, so after this, Kristen said, oh, I I actually have to use the bathroom. So Trevor goes outside where the party is still happening. And later, Trevor sees Kristen again. And he describes her as being, like, much more inebriated than he last saw her. And she is crying, saying, he hates me, referring to the basketball player that she tried to flirt with. But apparently, he just wasn't interested. She then tried to kiss Trevor again, but he pulled away and he left back inside the house, and that was the last time that he saw her. Mm-hmm. So at 2 a.m., the party ends, and a group of students are going to walk back to the dorms together. So just two students. They notice Kristen Lane on the lawn. She is clearly intoxicated, unable to walk on her own, so they help her up, and then A fourth student, Paul Flores, follows them and offers to help. He claims to live in the same dorms. So it's four of them walking back to the dorms. One of them gets dropped off, and then the other one. So this is Cheryl and Tim. Mm -hmm. So they left Kristen with Paul. He said, oh, it's fine, I'll walk her. And then Paul Flores says he parted ways with her because their dorms were on opposite sides Mm -hmm. and that was it I feel like it I don't know like the situation is so tough because it's like what what else you know could you do almost like I feel like they tried the best they could so they just didn't leave her there you know it would it would have been like one thing if they're like oh well we noticed her like passed out on the lawn and that was the last time we saw her Mm -hmm. and now she's missing but it sounds like that at least the uh, these other people like tried to help her along and like tried to help her get home with a group. Yeah, know? and I'm sure they didn't know they didn't know Paul mm-hmm. Flores or mm-hmm. his past mm-hmm. or anything to lead them to be suspicious. It just sucks because like even when you try and do like the completely right thing, then it's yeah could go so wrong, you know. And um, so the next morning, Crystal's room. I mean, Kristen's roommate, Crystal starts to get really worried and she said she and other students called the police twice about her disappearance 
And Crystal said police did not take her concerns seriously as they only filed a missing persons report after the student's second round of calls. So I feel like this happens often mm-hmm. in cases where they don't take it seriously the first time around because they think they're a runaway or for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Especially in college, I feel like they really don't take it seriously. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, well, they're just like off for... They just went away for, like, the weekend and didn't tell anybody, you know? Because it's, like, usually those kids can drive. They can, like, go places, you know, by themselves. So Mm -hmm. I feel like they take it even less seriously. Yeah. And Crystal also said none of her belongings were missing, such as her ID or any cash. And Kristen's disappearance was not taken seriously. It took one week for police to start their investigation. One week, though, that's a long time. Like, even if you, like, don't suspect anything, like, one week is still a really long time to, like, not do anything. Yeah, like, that's a lot of time lost. Yeah. Crucial time. So now I'm going to talk a little bit about Paul Flores. Mm Mm-hmm. So he has been the only suspect in this case. So for 25 years, he's the only suspect. Mm Mm-hmm. So, he was born in 1976 in Torrance, California, and Paul is described as white, someone almost albino, or also described as pale, with green eyes and blonde hair. He is also known to have a stutter. So, growing up, he was in a soccer organization. He lashed out at teammates, threatening to stab other players. Like, how old was he when he did this? This was around, like, grade school. Uh, Like, elementary school. That is a red flag. Like, so young. Yeah. And apparently, Susan Flores, which is Paul Flores' Mm -hmm. mother, she used to run a daycare for one of the schools. So, 12 students attended the daycare. And so an incident occurred with Paul here, and the mother actually called Chris to tell her story. Mm-hmm. So she li- would like to be anonymous, so we're going to call her Mary. So Mary was the mother of one of the students who attended the daycare, and we'll call her daughter Emily. And... So Susan had a room where students did their homework. Like and, after school? And yeah, stuff? like after yeah. school. And her daughter, Emily, said she didn't interact with Paul and Irma Linda. Irma Linda is Paul's sister because they were very odd. Her daughter attended this daycare from first to fourth grade. And they attended each other's birthday parties, but she just always kept her distance. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like a... Like acquaintances, yeah. like you know, where you just invite everyone yeah, in, like in your, your first grade class yeah, exactly. to your birthday party. Yeah. Um, and then during summer, the kids were in the pool when Paul was trying to get Emily's attention in the pool, but she kind of ignored him and went to the other side of the pool. So Paul got really upset and he pushed Emily under the pool. And wouldn't let her back up. So he was drowning her. And the other kids saw and were saying, let her go, let mm-hmm. her go. Until he finally let her go. 
And the mother, um, Emily's mother, did not find out through Susan. She actually found out through the other parents. And when she confronted Susan, Susan said about Emily, you stupid child, you're making this such a big deal. It sounds like his mom is like aiding this almost, like just like yeah. letting these red flags like totally go on, like by the wayside. You know, like if my kid did that, like he I would, would need me- some yeah. sort of punishment. But it sounds like she let him get away with it. Yeah, or like therapy or something. <laughs> like, like get him to talk to somebody. <laughs> like I feel like that's a pretty big deal if you're drowning another child, like yeah. at the age of third grade. Yeah. And so after this, Emily and her mom never went back to the daycare. And many parents emailed Chris Lambert about this story, about this incident. So a lot of parents actually remember this. Mm -hmm. So around middle school, kids referred to Paul as weird and creepy, which is never good. People were just uncomfortable when he would show up places. Mm-hmm. And, like, middle school is so rough. Like, Yeah, a lot of people are weird, Yeah, right? but I feel like that almost, like, made this whole thing worse. Like, if he was already having these tendencies, then, like, I'm sure he was excluded from, like, everything in middle school, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure that that just made it worse. Like, not excusing it in any way, but, like, I'm, I'm sure that that just heightened like whatever he was going through yeah and i'm sure he internalized a lot of all, it yeah, yeah a lot of it so several there are several instances of people coming forward describing paul and their experiences with him so when they found out that he was um the suspect in christmas smart's disappearance they said i'm not shocked that he would murder someone, or they would say it makes sense, mm-hmm. or they'd say he did it. I had no doubt. I know he was capable of that. Mm-hmm. Like every single one of the interviews, which is so interesting because I feel like you hear some cases um, where people are like, "Oh, I had no, I had no idea that he was capable of that," mm-hmm. or like he was such a nice guy. Like he always threw great barbecues in our neighborhood, and then like you hear stories like this where they're like oh, yeah, like, I'm not surprised at all. Like, he definitely would. Like, it's just interesting how... Yeah, because all the signs are there. Mm -hmm. And it's just sad that he never got any help. Mm -hmm. So, in middle school, his parents purchased two houses. Um, One was in Arroyo Grande in the Central Coast. But he still stayed in Southern California until... He graduated high school. That's nuts that you would bash somebody's head in. Like, okay, I've seen, like, a few middle school fights, and it has mm-hmm. never gotten anywhere close to this Yeah, bar. that's terrible. Like, that's crazy. Like, where were the teachers, like, letting this happen? Like, <laughs> Well, it was back in the 90s. I don't know if <laughs> schools were different. <laughs> I never went to school like, in the 90s. Like, how does it get so far that you just let a kid bash another kid's yeah. head in? You know? Yes. So after this, they moved to a, a Royal Grande where his parents purchased a house. He attended a Royal Grande high school, and his sister did as well. And after his sister graduated, she started school at Cal Poly. Mm-hmm. So Irma Linda is his sister. 
later they sell this house after Susan has an affair with somebody else. So during high school, Paul worked at a small burger place in Grand Avenue in River Beach from 1993 to 1995. So from working there, a lot of people came forward like sharing their stories and experiences with Paul, one of them being Jessica Shutt. Uh, she said that Paul wasn't very talkative, but that he would always walk behind her, like, during a shift. He would say something really quietly that you couldn't hear, and then he would just laugh about it. That's creepy. Like, he loved to make people feel very uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, it seems like that's what he, like... And it was funny to Yeah, him. it was, like, that's, like, what his goal in life was to try and... I don't know, like, even though, like going to the lengths of bashing somebody's head in like I feel mm-hmm. like it was more about like oh like I want to show everybody else like what I'm capable of yeah. you know like there couldn't possibly have been something that this other kid did that was that bad that like he needed to go to the lengths of doing that mm-hmm. unless he wanted to like show everybody else something you know like, yeah there's definitely yeah. something so Jessica also noticed that he was following her home after work She noticed him driving behind her, and she didn't really think too much of it because she thought that he was just lost. But, so Jessica actually lives in a very secluded area where Mm -hmm. for, like, one mile you're driving and it's just, like, to get to her Mm -hmm. house. Because, like, central California is very rural. Yeah. Um, So when she confronted Paul, he said, I wanted to know where you live. That is, I would never go back to work if that's what uh, Yeah, face. I would be like, I'm moving. Mom, yeah. we have to move. Yeah, and that's so scary. Like, if you're all the way back there and you're like, your house is going back there, like, you can't even be like, oh, well, I don't live in that house. Like, I live in another one. Like, you know exactly. exactly where you live. Um, and then, so she talked to another coworker, and the coworker spoke to him and asked him to cut it off. It worked for a while until Jessica would be hanging out with her friends in Pismo Beach, and he would just show up out of nowhere. He would show up to places that she would be hanging out with her friends. You're not invited, Paul. And he just said, I just wanted to know what you were doing. That's weird. um, And so in 1995... Paul was a senior in high school, and a lot of people refer to him as Scary Paul. So the nicknames, like, continued and carry Mm -hmm. on, even after he moved to a new place. Where they had, like, had no idea, like, what he used to do. Yeah. And people knew that it wasn't safe for them to be alone around Paul. Mm -hmm. So, like, they knew he was weird and creepy, but they still didn't really say anything. Mm -hmm. Because they didn't want to hurt his feelings Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. And so some people said that he would ask girls to urinate in front of him for money. Ew. Or to sit on glass coffee tables wearing, like, no underwear. That's disgusting. I'm like, what? Imagine getting asked that. Like, I don't even know how I would respond. Yeah. I'd run away. Yeah. So, another woman, a lot of these are anonymous. She shares her story of hanging out with Paul and some friends. Paul says to her, 
like why are you cock blocking because apparently she was sitting like next to someone that paul wanted to talk to Mm -hmm. and she just says oh shut up paul and paul was like threatening her like oh i'm gonna body slam you and she's just like like stop like you're ridiculous Mm -hmm. And next thing she knows, she is just seeing stars because Paul had pushed her off the chair and her friends rushed to help her and they pinned Paul to the wall. And yeah, this was basically all that happened and she just stopped hanging out with him. That's so scary because like, I feel like you, even if, I don't know, even if somebody had said, would say that to me, like, I would never expect them to actually do it. Especially you know? in front of your friends. Right. Like, maybe if I was alone, I would be a little bit more hesitant, but, or, like, scared that that, thing, that was going to happen. But, like, in front of all of your friends, like, in yeah. public, like, I would never think that was going to happen. Yeah, it's so scary. And at an outing, so this was another instance, he was dancing with friends, and he grabbed a woman's crotch. And her boyfriend punched him after this incident. And for whatever reason, the same group of friends, the same woman, hung out again at another outing. And she was going to the bathroom, the same person. He followed her in, kicked the door open, so got into the bathroom, Mm -hmm. and he was attempting to rape her. Luckily, she was kicking and hitting and was able to escape. And after she escaped, ran out of the bathroom, she just started screaming, like, what he Mm -hmm. was doing. And they ended up, they jumped him at the party, and Mm -hmm. the cops came after that. And she ended up leaving after this, so she didn't really stay to Mm -hmm. see what happened. So at the Swampy Phil party, this is something else that happened. A girl followed Flores to the backyard after he said he had gum. But he actually was just trying to kiss her and followed her into the house. That's a weird way to get somebody to kiss you. Yeah. So he just, like, would try to get girls alone and then try to make advances on them. Yeah. Like, it definitely seems super sneaky. Like, everything he does, like, is with the intention of getting somebody into, like, a vulnerable Mm -hmm. location. Yeah. And this is me leaving out. Like, I left out a lot of stories. Yeah. Of... Yeah, I feel People like I remember sharing. that podcast. It was, like, so in-depth with, like, everything that he's yeah, said about him. Yeah, just the amount of mm-hmm. encounters, negative encounters yeah. that people have had. And so the so when he was walking Kristen home with Cheryl, he actually tried to kiss Cheryl on the cheek before leaving or parting ways. So first on the lips, then on the cheek. And they ended up like agreeing on a hug. Mm-hmm. And that's all you can do, like yeah, like he... try not to escalate the situation mm-hmm. or like make him mad, because I would be afraid of like making somebody mad like that. Yeah. And Cheryl said that Paul had his hands wrapped around Kristen's torso as they were walking back mm-hmm. to the dorm. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like. I feel like I'm revising my statement from earlier. Like, if somebody had tried to kiss me and I did not want to be kissed, and then, like, they were like, oh, well, I'll just take your friend, or, like, this, I, mm-hmm. I don't think they were friends, but, like, this, like, girl home, like, don't worry about us. Like, I feel like I would not 
let her leave like yeah. with a guy like that you know like I mean maybe you're super drunk and intoxicated mm-hmm. or whatever but I feel like if somebody had tried to come on to me and made me super uncomfortable I would not feel safe letting him leave with another girl who was in a position like she was in yeah I agree but also it might it might have been a difficult like position for Shiro yeah. to be in because she's also maybe afraid of herself. Like, yeah. And of course, she'd never think that Paul was going to potentially mm-hmm. murder this person. Yeah. But so Paul also had other instances like in high school and in the more recent years, he is known to drug girls at bars. Uh, someone said he. They saw him put eye drops, like an eye drop substance, mm-hmm. into the drink. But they said this could have easily been like a date rape drug. Do you think he. Because he was at this party, right? With mm-hmm. Kristen. Do you think he like noticed Kristen and drugged her maybe? Because that guy, the guy Trevor, was like, oh, she was noticeably like more intoxicated mm-hmm. than before. Like, do you think that he possibly could have drugged her at that party? Yes, so this is actually, like, part of one of the theories. But I'll say, I was going to say it later, but so after Trevor left the bathroom, he actually encountered Paul. Mm -hmm. Paul was, like, very angry and worried and was like, what did you guys do in there? Mm -hmm. Like, what did you do with her? Mm -hmm. And Trevor was, like, really scared. He was like, oh, shoot, like, this is her boyfriend. Mm -hmm confronting me and he's like oh nothing and then he said he saw kind of like a sigh of relief go over him oh and then that was it yeah so uh, yeah he definitely had been watching her Mm -hmm. that night yeah and she would have been easy i think to take advantage of because like she was there she wasn't there with any friends Mm -hmm. like nobody's watching her drink like i feel like it would have been very easy to slip something in yeah so, yeah, so someone saw him put eye drop substance into the drink, and there have been several stories where people have claimed to have been drugged by Paul. Mm-hmm. So, a woman claimed to have been drugged. She said she woke up the next morning next to a stranger, and the police collected DNA evidence, which later revealed that it matched Paul Flores. Was he ever charged for anything like no that's crazy that's crazy like he'd had a lot of encounters with police Mm -hmm. but it just seems like he'd gone out he got away yeah Yeah. he got away with things so after um after all of this in the late 90s paul moves to southern california and works at a blockbuster and then at an Outback Steakhouse. And then there's just, like, more of these instances, again. Mm-hmm. People saying he tried to make advances on them. He would try to go up to girls and give them free beers or drinks that he would bring. Yeah. But girls, like, didn't trust them. Because they're obviously drugged. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he would be very pushy about mm-hmm. them. So, yeah, they believe that he was trying to drug them. And there are a lot more instances of Paul doing this at bars. And Paul was living in San Pedro and working in Irvine. 
And like I said, he had several run-ins with law enforcement over the years, even outside of the disappearance. So now let's talk about a little bit of the evidence and why he has been the only suspect Mm -hmm. in the case. So Paul was photographed with a black eye when he was arrested for his DUI a few days after Kristen's disappearance. Mm -hmm. So he was charged with the DUI and it took his picture. He had a black eye. So a missing report for Kristen's might had not been filed yet, but luckily they had these pictures. Right. That's lucky he got caught with it. Like, yeah. lucky he just didn't get off like he normally does. Like, they, lucky they took, took him in. Mm-hmm. And on May 31st, when Paul became a suspect, police questioned Paul about his black eye. And they noticed he also had scratches on the back of his hands and what appeared to be rug burns. He said he got the marks and the black eye on Sunday playing basketball with his friend Jeremy. They spoke to Jeremy, and he said when he saw him on Sunday to play basketball, he already had that black eye. So he didn't get it playing basketball. No. So he was lying about yeah. this. Um, so they confront him again and then in the next interview with his inconsistencies. And he changes the story once again, saying he slammed his eye against the steering wheel when he was trying to fix like his radio or something. Which police immediately think is suspicious. Mm -hmm. First of all, he's already lied, so that's already, like, a bad sign. Yeah. Usually when people change their stories, it's because they're guilty. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Because, like, what would be the reason to lie about that? Yeah. Um, So he said, yeah, that he was fixing his car and got it, hit his eye on the steering wheel. But police thought this was suspicious because it was his right eye. So they said it just didn't make sense. Yeah, also, like, how I am picturing that in my head, and it's like, that doesn't really make sense to me, like, because how would you hit your eye on the steering wheel? Like, like I can hit the back of my head maybe if I'm reaching down, grabbing yeah, something, or, like, like you would have to turn in a very weird way to, yeah. if you're fixing your radio, like, and looking you, at your And it would radio. be your left eye. Yeah. And then it's like, how do you turn your entire body and then hit your... Your right, right eye. eye. And it's like, I don't even understand. Even if it was his left eye, like, you would have to put your whole entire face into your steering wheel, like, high speed to get a black eye. Like, I don't understand how that happens. Yeah. So he said he lied about this because he didn't want people to think he was a klutz. I feel like that is... I feel like he should be worried about people thinking he's a lot more, <laughs> yeah, than, more than a klutz. Like, I feel like he has um, more things to worry about. <laughs> So, police were, because they had no evidence of criminal activity on the case, they were treating the case as an adult missing under a special investigation. So, on June 29th, they got cadaver dogs. They were brought to the dorms. So, it's just like different cluster of mm-hmm. dorms, they included like Kristen's dorms, mm-hmm. Paul's dorms. And it's interesting, a lot of their names are similar to the dorms that I lived in. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so it's just kind of funny that they're using the same names. Yeah. Um, so cadaver dogs are brought to the dorms. And they went through two whole buildings with no indication of any smell. But then when they got to Santa Lucia, two dogs smelled the same thing in room 128. And whose room was this? Paul Flores's room. Surprise. Um, so they, the dog smelled blood on the mattress and they alerted the staff. So this had been after, like, his he had moved out, mm-hmm. and his room had been cleaned. Oh, because it was, like, finals week, huh? Yeah, so, so he moved out. That's, yeah. But, yeah, the dog still smelled it on the mattress. Yeah, because I think that, I mean, I'm assuming, like, even if they clean your room, they don't, like, deep clean the mattress, you yeah, know? Yeah, that's like... a little gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, they but definitely they don't. don't. They don't. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, they smelled human de- decomposition, smell on the mattress, and they did this several times with different dogs, mm-hmm. and all dogs, like, pointed to the same corner of the mattress, mm-hmm. and I think it was, like, the trash can yeah. and the phone. There's, I think there's a phone in the room. Yeah. And on July 12th, they confirmed that... Paul Flores' roommate was gone that weekend of Kristen's disappearance. And he, his roommate shared that he joked with Paul about the murder and said, what have you done with her? And Paul said, she's at my house having lunch with my mom. That's, that is not, okay. First of all, imagine being roommates with him. First of all, imagine that being a roommate. Yeah. Second of all, imagine. I feel like that's not a funny joke to make. If you like, you know, like I'm assuming if you were his roommate, like you know how creepy it is. Mm-hmm. Like, and especially because he probably did murder her. And yeah. He's like, this. like, I don't know. That's a that's a fucked up joke to make. Like yeah. knowing your roommate is like has this reputation. Yeah, and so when. Paul Flores was at the interview where he lied about his black guy. Mm-hmm. He told police he had to leave. They asked him where, and he says, oh, I have to go clean up some stuff. They said, what stuff? They said, some concrete. They said, where? Um, he said, at his mom's house. Some concrete in the back. And so turns out they had been redoing the garage. Yeah. And they had been, like, filling it up with concrete. Okay, so after Susan Flores sold the house, they sold it to a family, Mary Lassiter, and she told Chris Lambert uh, several things that happened when she was living here. Mm -hmm. So she told him that shortly after moving in, she was washing her car in the driveway and found an earring next to the left front tire of her car. The earring was turned over to the San Luis Obispo Sheriff's Office, but inves- investigators will never know if it belonged to Kristen because it was misplaced. Who misplaces? Like, evidence. Yeah, that happens in quite a lot of cases. It does. And, like, really important cases. Like, who are these people misplacing them? Yeah. 
Um, so Lassiter told Lambert the earring she found matched the necklace Kristen was wearing on one of the Cal Poly student billboards. Oh, so it was like a matching, like... Yeah, like matching earring set with the yeah, necklace. I see. So it seemed like it might happen. Yes. Him. It's crazy that it was just out, like, just, next to her yeah. tire. Um, as she told Chris Lambert another story, so she's in the master bedroom. She says, I'm hearing this beep, beep every night at around 4.20 or 4.20 in the morning. It sounded like a digital watch alarm, but Lassiter couldn't find a watch anywhere outside. The backyard was all concrete except for a couple areas where there was planter boxes that had been created by cutting out the concrete and filling them with soil. Mm -hmm. And this drove Mary crazy. So she went out there many times in the middle of the night to try to find it with sticks just poking the planter boxes in the soil, but she just could not find it. That is really creepy. I would be really creeped out of yeah, that. Yeah, just you hear the constant beep, uh, beep, That would be really beep. creepy. Like, that is, like, something out of a horror movie. Yeah. And at the same time, every morning. Yeah. So, she told Lambert that after several months, the beeping stopped. He believes that meant the batteries went dead, and the object that was beeping hadn't been there very long. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing. It yeah. hadn't been there very long yeah. for it to still be working. Right. Because it, it, it seems, yeah. Yeah. So when Lambert later told Kristen's mother about what Mary said, Denise said about those early mornings, beeping sounds in Susan Flores' backyard. He said her reaction was shock. We just kind of stared at each other for a good long time. I think it took a while to settle in, and this could potentially be huge and very chilling. So yeah, this like to this day just gives me chills every time I hear this. Um, So Denise told Lambert that her daughter had been working as a lifeguard at the university. Um, So every morning, she had to be there at 5, so uh, her alarm went off earlier, obviously, to make sure mm-hmm. she was there by 5 a.m. Yeah. So it could have gone off around 420. 4.20. That's crazy. That's, that is so creepy. That's really creepy. So over the years, law enforcement and the smart lawyers have searched Susan Flores' backyard several times, but nothing has been found. Investigators could have excavated the yard but their decision not to was a crushing blow for the smart family why did they decide not to it was just a lot of money and then Mm -hmm. the permit that they got ended up expiring and they could not get a new one for whatever reason that's insane yeah like it might be expensive but like also this is somebody's life that you're talking about like isn't it your job to like figure yeah. out what happened to these people like I feel like you can't expend any amount of money to figure out what happened that's your whole job and this is the only suspect yeah and I feel like that's very strong evidence to yeah like, like the watch put him away for for that like I don't know like it doesn't seem like you have a whole lot else to go off of so why yeah. not just try it yeah, like go off that 
Um, so Kristen's par- parents have spent more than two decades hoping for any clue that would lead them to their beloved daughter. Even when law enforcement let them down, they refused to give up. Over the years, while Stan Smart, so Kristen Smart's father, mm-hmm. hiked every trail around California's central coast in hopes of finding Kristen's remains. It was so sad because at this point, he's just like, like I just want to find her remains. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like the case that I was talking about last week where, like, the parents did so much more than the actual police yeah. did at times. Like, they were the ones going out and looking. They were the ones trying to find all these evi- like pieces of evidence. Like, mm-hmm. they were the ones talking to people about it. So, that just, like, sucks that it has to be parents. That do. Yeah. yeah the investigating. Yeah. Um, Denise... So the mother relentlessly pushed law enforcement to do more. The Smart's younger daughter, Lindsay, described her parents. I think they're like carrying boulders on their backs. Mm -hmm. In 2011, the Smart's hoped that those boulders would become a little lighter when Ian Parkinson became the new sheriff of the San Luis Obispo County, he promised the smarts that solving Kristen's case would be a priority. He hired a detective to work full-time on the case, and over the past nine years, deputies have carried out searches, so now 11 years, <laughs> conducted new interviews, and gathered additional evidence. After all these years, Sheriff Parkinson says that Paul Flores continues to be their number one suspect. So the sheriff's office investigators and forensic specialists assigned to the case executed 18 search warrants, submitted 137 items that were collected in the early days for DNA testing, recovered 140 new items of evidence, and conducted 91 interviews from 2011 to 2020. So it just seems like now they're putting in a lot yeah. more effort and like unfortunately it's so long so after. late yeah. yeah like think about if you had this energy from the beginning like mm-hmm. if you're finding 140 piece, new pieces of evidence 20 years after what 15 years after like this th- whole thing happened like imagine how much you could have found a week after it happened like yeah. so late yeah so investigators um, end up searching Paul Flores' home in San Pedro, California on February 5th, 2020. There's a picture on the internet where you they, you can see them carrying out boxes of files. Mm-hmm. Um, and on Tuesday, April 13th, they were charged with the disappearance and murder of Kristen Smart. So they actually ended up arresting Paul Flores and Ruben Flores, his father, for mm-hmm. having just for helping him carry out the murder. And during this time, so some more evidence that they gathered ended up being from Ruben's backyard at the house in Arroyo Grande. So these are two different, yeah, yeah, two different houses. Uh, So here they like dug up under the house, like where the pipes were. Mm And they didn't disclose what evidence they found. Right. They, it was just enough to arrest them. Right. So it must have been something pretty big because mm-hmm. I feel like they wouldn't have, 
in all these cases like this, I, I feel like that's why it's so frustrating sometimes because they won't arrest people and you're like, why won't they arrest people? But it's because once you arrest them, you have to convict them. Mm. And if you convict them, you have to have enough evidence to get them in jail. So they must have felt that they found enough evidence to get him in jail. Like they, they must have found enough evidence to win the, win the case, like whatever, or at least they think, you know? Yeah. And so they actually didn't like arrest him like immediately. Mm -hmm. They like took the samples of the soil and like just left. Yeah. Um, so they thought they hadn't found anything, but so police believed that Kristen was buried under there at some point mm-hmm. and was obviously moved somewhere. Because they, they found stuff in the, the dirt? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to go over Chris Lambert's theory mm-hmm. and what he believes happened. So Chris believes that based on the drugging history of Paul... Like how mm-hmm. you said earlier, he believes that he drugged Kristen at the party. Mm-hmm. And because it, it was also known that he came into the party with his own alcohol. Oh. And he actually says this himself, too. So he could have very easily like given, put something yeah. in it and given it to Kristen. And yeah. f- from the place where he bought like the beer, I think yeah. it's beer, they said that they sold... Like, those caps that you can, like, put back on yeah, on the yeah, cans. Yeah, 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 So, he believes it, that, yeah, it was maybe one of those. It, like, looked like it was closed, but it was yeah. actually opened and mm-hmm. tampered with. I wonder if he had known her before this party, or, like, he just went out looking for right? anybody, for, like, somebody, you know? Like, or I wonder, because it doesn't seem like he could have known her because she like she like went to that random party by herself like she just like kind of showed up there so it's like even scarier that he just made this like split second decision Mm -hmm. to like target her and stalk her and things like that like within the space of how many ever minutes it took for him to like see her at that party yeah i mean unless he did know her before and was like kind of obsessed with her before and then she just showed up there but well i i don't think he knew her because he didn't go to cal poly only his his sister went there so I think, because just based off his, like, the stories mm-hmm. that I heard from encounters at the bars, mm-hmm. it was just a random woman that he would try to get alone yeah, or make so advances on. So, yeah, it was just pretty much anyone that would accept his beer or that yeah. was vulnerable. So he also believes he was probably trying to walk Kristen home like just them two Mm -hmm. and he heard people coming and then just like left her on the lawn yeah and and that's why they found her on the lawn yeah so they believe that paul Mm -hmm. had been following kristen the whole night yeah they think kristen could have had a bad reaction to the drug Mm -hmm. or whatever was put in her drink and that maybe like when he took her to her dorm she had a bad reaction to this then maybe Paul panicked, uh, went to his sister or Melinda's house that was mm-hmm. one mile away. Mm-hmm. Because he actually said he was heading there after the party, but then said, oh, I didn't end up going there. So, yeah. And then from there, 
He believes that they called Ruben Flores about what happened because he jumped out of bed that night, left in the middle of the night without explaining. The dad? Yeah. Yeah, that seems a little suspicious. And the phone records were never obtained by law enforcement. For, like, what, if he called anybody that night? Yeah, so... That seems like a pretty important yeah, like, thing to get. I don't know if this is true, but... So, in the podcast, they said that... Um, so, Chris also doesn't know if it's true. He said that an officer walked into, like, the phone company's mm-hmm. office yeah. and brought them, like, mints and said, like, show me the the calls uh-huh. or, like, of that night, their phone records. And they said, oh, you have to fill out this form, but he didn't want to do that, so he left. What the... like, <laughs> You didn't want to fill out a form like, that could possibly yeah. lead to the arrest? Like, who is in charge of these things here? Yeah. And then they believe that Paul borrowed his sister's 1985 Volkswagen and quietly loaded Kristen in the car because it was a quiet night, and mm-hmm. he says this himself, too. And he brought her to the house on Arroyo Grande mm-hmm. and attempted to put her under the deck. And then this car was also later taken as evidence. Oh, so they did collect the car, at least. Yeah, they collected the car later. This was, like, in 2020, yeah. though. So <laughs> they still had the car in the garage. Since then. Yeah. That's crazy. I know. That's kind of lucky that they still had it because it's been a long time to and the, keep a car around. Yeah. There was a witness also that said they saw the same car that night. Driving around? Yeah. And that just seems suspicious. Yeah. And that is a theory. And that is the story of Kristen Smart's disappearance. And hopefully during this trial, Paul confesses, or Ruben. Yeah, or like they just, they get enough evidence against him to, like, lock him away. Mm -hmm. I know. It was so awful, like, 25, 26 years now. Yeah, since that. Like, her parents just need closure. I know. Like, because you hope that at a certain point, like, he'll just, he'll know that he's going to be put in jail no matter what, and he just at least tells Mm -hmm. them, like, where she is, because, I I mean, I'm sure they just want to bury, like, lay her to rest in a place that, like, they want her to lay to rest in, you know, not in somebody's backyard or, like, wherever he put her. Hopefully one of them comes clean. Yeah. But... 